Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Well, good morning. Good morning, Bethel Church. It is great to be here with you again this morning. Everybody doing well? Wow, it is really a treat. I, uh, I was flying in yesterday from uh, Arizona. I'd been in Arizona for a couple of days speaking at a conference, and I, um, I thought I knew what I was speaking on until I got here, and uh, just when I arrived last night, I feel like the Lord just kind of shift direction, so I sat up really late last night getting some thoughts together. I went to bed really late, and then there was a wedding party on in the hotel, and they were just hooting and racking until three o'clock this morning. And I, and I had set my alarm clock to get up really early this morning to finish this. And uh, so at three this morning, I called up reception and said, you have got to stop them, please. <laughs> so I, I slept fast last night. <laughs> I slept really fast <laughs> or short, whatever way you want to look at it. <laughs> so thank you for having me. It really is a joy. Thank you uh, to Stephen, Cindy, and thank you, Joel, for uh, your friendship over these years, it's, uh, it just means, it means so much to me. All right, let's, uh, let's jump in. I, uh, just, uh, this is, I have not preached this message before. I've pre- preached parts of it, but it's, uh, it's kind of new, so I'm kind of like concerned that I'm going to get halfway through and run out of time. <laughs> so we'll just, we'll see how we go. But uh, we, we, as a, we as a family uh, have been in this uh, super unusual season. I mean, anybody else feel like they're in an unusual season? I'm not just talking about COVID. I'm just talking, it's just like an unusual season. And, uh, but it's been great in the, un, in the unusual season. I got to write a book in the unusual season. And uh, that is out there. It's called Apprehended Identity, Taking Back What Has Been Stolen. I was going to call it Taking Back What the Church Stole. And I thought, oh, no, I better, I better not do that. I'd never be invited to church again. <laughs> So I called it taking back what was stolen. So that is out there um, in the in the in the bookstore, and um, but we're we're in this just in this most strange season, and and it was probably about it was probably about five uh, maybe maybe six months ago. There was a rumor that had got out that we were leaving, and people were coming up to me saying, "Hey, I hear you're moving to New Zealand," and I'm like, "I don't know, I don't know where you heard that." And I went and got a meeting with uh, Pastor Bill Johnson, and I sat with him, and I told him that, you know, there's probably a rumor, you may have heard the rumor floating around that we're leaving, and I just want to tell you that we're not. You know, we came here, we came to the United States and came to Bethel uh, for you. I'm faithful to you. I'm here to serve your vision, and I just want to assure you I'm not leaving, and he hugged me and thanked me, and I, and I left, and five weeks later, I'm back in his office saying, I resign. <laughs> And uh, everything happened in those five weeks, and it was just the most unusual set of circumstances. And that's what I want to share a little bit about uh, this morning, uh, because in those five weeks, I want to share about living in the present, living in the present. And I have not been a great one for living in the present. I, you know, all my life, I've lived in the future. I'm, I can tell you what I'm going to do in five years. I can tell you what I'm going to do in 10 years. I can tell you what I'm going to do in 15 years. And I'm gonna, I can tell you what I'm going to do when I'm 50. You know, I mean, I can tell you way out there. And uh, some of you probably didn't get that. But <laughs> yeah, you don't say something out loud, Joel. <laughs> 
Yes, if you hadn't worked it out, yes, I am over 50, yes. <laughs> and, um, and so, so in, this, uh, in this season, it's just my wife is, just keeps on calling me back. She's like, you know, over the last 10 years, she's like, Chris, you're living, living out there. You know, you're going to live out there and you're going to miss the best. You're going to miss today. You're going to miss the kids growing up. You're going to miss, you know, you're going to miss the things in the present because you're always living in the future. And uh, so it's been this wonderful season for me of coming back and actually learning to live in the present and not trying to, not necessarily trying to work out the future. And in this, uh, in the, in this season between the meetings I had with Bill, I, I went home one night and I, I, I went, to, went to bed. Well, I go to bed. I go to bed every night. It's just whether I sleep or not. But I went to bed one night and in the night I had a dream. And in the dream, the Lord says to me, in the meantime, sorry, before the dream, we were beginning to process like, um, I, you know, we're just beginning to feel like God was calling us and, and perhaps God was telling us that we're to move international and move back to New Zealand. And trust me, there's not a lot I, uh, there's not a lot I desire about New Zealand right now, apart from my family. Uh, the, the political situation is kind of tough. The country's in lockdown, just a continuous hard lockdown. And uh, I'm like, oh God, I don't want to go back to that. You know, I've done the 14-day lockdown. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> 14 days all flat in the curve. You know, I, I've, uh, I've, done the, I've done the lockdown. I don't want to go back into, you know, a, an, an extended an extended lockdown, and so I have this dream, and in the dream, the Lord says to me, because there's certainly some resistance about me wanting to go back. I'm like, God, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. This is where I belong. I'm an American citizen now. You know, this is, this is where I want to be. And uh, so in the dream, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I want you to go on a journey from destination A to destination B. It's funny how God sometimes doesn't tell us what is the destination. He just says, I want you to go on a journey to destination B and make it much easier if I knew what the destination was, right? You know, I want you to go destination B, which is a fishing vacation. Yes! <laughs> but he never told me the destination. He just said, I want you to go on a, a journey from destination A to destination B. And in the dream, I said to God, God, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And he said to me, why don't you want to go on this journey? And I said, because I'm really tired. I said, it's dark. The road ahead is windy. And you're sending me on a motorcycle and I don't know how to ride a motorcycle. You know, the weird piece in the dream, you know. <laughs> That's when you wake up thinking, did I have, was that a God dream or did I eat too much pizza, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, so in the dream, I said, God, okay, I'll go because I just, I do believe in obedience. You know, I'm an obedient son. And I said, God, I, I will go on this journey. So I got on my motorcycle and I began my commencement to destination B, wherever that was on the road that was windy and the road that was dark. And uh, I got on my motorcycle and I immediately fell asleep and on the motorcycle. And uh, I woke up halfway through the journey on the motorcycle, not physically, but in the dream, realizing that I hadn't gone off the road on the dark and the windy road. And I said in my dream, God, if, you're, if I haven't gone off the road on my, on my motorcycle when the road is windy and the road is dark, I guess that you're steering my motorcycle in the season. And the Lord said to me verbally, audibly in the dream, he said, yes, I'm steering your motorcycle in the season. And I responded, well, if you're steering my motorcycle in this season, I'm going back to sleep. Got back on my motorcycle, started up and fell asleep. And I woke up in my destination, which was New Zealand. 
And I woke up from that dream realizing, oh my gosh, I think that God really is speaking to us about we're needing to go back to New Zealand, though I didn't want to, but I need to go. And I'm sitting there, I think it was the, I think it was the next morning, within a couple of mornings, I've got, uh, I've got a, uh, a daughter with disabilities in, in a wheelchair and she's nonverbal. And a couple of mornings later, I had got her ready for her program and she was sitting in a wheelchair and we we're just a little bit early for, to, to leave and she's watching TV and I'm sitting on the end of the bed and she's talking away in her own language one morning. She just kind of like baby talk, babble talk, you know. She's just babbling away. And I had this thought, I thought, I wonder if Siri can understand her. I thought, I wonder if Siri, I'd never had that thought before. I thought, I wonder if Siri can translate her. So I pulled out my iPhone, I put it into text mode where you can translate a text message to text myself, held it up to her and she's just babbling away in her own little language. And Siri says, one moment please. And it translates it, oh God, oh God, oh God, can I go home? <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, there's hope for Siri to be saved. <laughs> I mean, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through Siri. <laughs> and uh, so, so I, I found myself uh, with, uh, with Bill just that a few minutes later about talking to him about we feel like that God is calling us home. And I told him what had happened. And he just with such grace, he said to us, well, I'd be doing the same if I, if I was you. And I want to talk to you this morning about living in the present. I want to talk to you about, I want to talk about Jesus Every message, I tell you, I don't like going to church and not hearing Jesus preached. If, you, if I don't hear Jesus preached, I'm at the back of the church asleep. You know, I, I want to I wanna hear about Jesus. And uh, so we're on this journey. We're on this journey that, that's dark. I'm honest, I've been very honest with you. It's one of the darkest seasons of my life. It's, it's dark and it's certainly windy. But the Lord's given us this verse in the season. It's Psalm 119 verse 105. And it says, your lamp... Uh, uh, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I can assure you that I cannot see the path. I cannot see that there, there is definitely not a light unto my path right now. People are coming like, well, if you go to New Zealand, what are you going to do? I don't know. How are you going to earn in an income? I, I don't know. But that's the future. And sometimes we waste more emotional energy trying to work out the future than enjoying living in the present because when he's not a lamp unto your, when he's not the light to the path, he's still the lamp to your feet. And it's been this, it's been this fun season of just looking down, not trying to work out the future, which is always me. I'm Mr. Fix-It. I know how to work out the future. I've just like, I'm just gonna watch my feet because he's a lamp unto my feet, I'm just going to take one step. And it's like, okay, I've taken that step. What's the next step? What's the next step? Because I cannot see the path. I can only see, I, I cannot see the, the light to my path. And I can only see the lamp unto my feet. There's a famous quote by Martin Luther King. It says, faith is taking the first step, even when you don't know the whole staircase in front of you. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about Jesus. And I want to talk about the lamp unto our feet of learning to live in the present and going into the unknown 
but not be concerned about the future, but enjoying today. You know, I was last night. I'm, I'm sitting down and I open Genesis and I'm and I'm reading through Genesis and I just really felt to uh, I, as I began to read Genesis and I began to refresh some of my notes of what I wanted to. I got completely distracted in a whole other avenue, and that's kind of what came, what's going to come in here this morning as well. But it's the story of Abraham and Sarah. And we know that Abraham receives the promise of a son. We know that Sarah waits about 90 years before giving birth to Isaac. And Isaac's name means laughter. And Abraham was given the promise of a child, uh, the promise by God that he would be a great nation at age 75. And Sarah was 65 at the time. And they waited for 25 years for the fulfillment of that word. We know that Sarah gives birth to Isaac at age 90. And Abraham was 100 when Sarah gives birth to Isaac. And we know that Sarah dies at about 127. And Abraham remarries and he lives on to 175. And we know that Sarah at times, we can see from the word that she struggles with her faith. Yet God still saw it fit to put her as the first woman in the hall of faith in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. But Genesis 22, God calls Abraham to do something that he never ended to need up, need doing, but God calls him successful. I think there's a word there for someone, that God calls us sometimes to do something extraordinary that we don't end up need to do or we fail in it, but God still calls you successful because you stepped out and you did what you knew that God called you to do, even if you didn't work out or, it, or you didn't end up fulfilling it through, but just our simple acts of obedience. But I wanted to touch a little bit on Isaac this morning because Isaac's birth was a miracle to Sarah because we know that Sarah was not only barren, she was also beyond the years, so she was double barren. We know that Isaac is asked to sacrifice their only son. It's the one that they've waited so long for. Does it sound like somebody else we know? Does it sound like the person of Jesus right there? We know that Isaac and Jesus were both obedient uh, to their father to the point of death, sound like somebody else. Isaac was required to carry his own altar on his back. And we know that Jesus was required to carry his own altar on his back. Now, several commentaries today also suggest that Isaac was actually 33 when his father led, led him, Abraham led him on that three-day journey. Does that sound like somebody else that we know? And last night I was... Last night, I was, uh, as I was reading in Genesis, I got distracted and I found myself reading the story of Noah. And as I've, I've preached on Noah before, but I just got some additional insight into it. And uh, just, actually, uh, this one I forgot there that just on, on the story of Isaac, it says that, it says, Isaac is splitting wood for his own altar and never knew it. He did not know that he was going to be the burnt offering. See, the thing that struck me about Isaac is that he was going on a journey. He did not know the outcome. But yet he was just being obedient to, the, to his father. He, he didn't know that he was going to be the burnt offering. And we see that he gets to the, the destination and he says to his father, Father, well, where is the burnt offering? And we see that Abraham says that, well, there's a, a ram that's caught in the thicket, which a ram, if you don't know, is a, 
is a male lamb. Does that sound like somebody else we know? See, we see Jesus all through the word. I, I want to encourage you, like, read the Bible through the lens of Jesus or through the perspective of Jesus, looking for Jesus on every page. My friend, Jesus is on every page. He's the absolute center of our lives. He's the center of my life. He is, the, he is on every, there is not a page in the Bible where Jesus is not. How many of you know Jesus, Jesus didn't appear in the book of Matthew? You know, Jesus is eternal. Jesus has always, he's always been there. And, and last night I, I sat down and I, and I got distracted in reading Genesis 22 as I was preparing this. And I actually found myself reading Genesis chapter, chapter 6. And we don't need to turn there this morning. You can turn there in your own time. But I, I love to discover Jesus. I love to discover the, the symbolisms of Christ wherever I can find him. And I, I just discovered him somewhere else last night. I discovered him. I always knew that he was the ark, right? That's not a new revelation to me in Noah's ark. Jesus is the ark. He's a beautiful picture of the ark, which is a picture of safety. It's a, it's a picture, of, uh, it's a picture of, uh, of protection, that Christ is the vessel that delivers us out of the old world that was dominated by Adam's fallen flesh, that Jesus is that ark. And I began to read that story, and I, then I read about the, the wood. To build an ark, you must cut down wood. In Scripture, wood is a type of humanity, humanity that Jesus came to earth to live as a human being. He was cut down in the land of the living, giving his life as a ransom that he would become the ark for each one of us, that he is the ark. And then we see in Scripture that the Lord instructed Noah to put pitch in the boat, which is like a, I guess, it would be like a tar, I guess, like, you know, a, I don't know how best to describe it, but a bit of tar. But the exact same word as pitch is actually to describe the atonement. And God instructed the pitch uh, to pitch the ark within and without. This would literally be translated as atone, to atone the ark within and without, is to put the atoning blood on the inside and on the out. See, we have Jesus there as the ark. We have Jesus there as the wood. We have Jesus there as the, the pitch. Then it says that God gives, God gives Noah instructions on how to build the ark. And he says, I want you to build the ark on three stories. How, how many of you know that God is a God of details? He is in your details. I have discovered he is in my details. I don't think that anything that happens in life is by coincidence. He's in the details. Some of the, I, I wish I could tell you some of the things publicly of which the detail, that God is in the details. I just, I can't this morning because we're broadcasting of some of the details that God is in in our, in our move forward and the, the way he's just orchestrating and lining things up when you can't see the path, but look down and just look at your feet because he's still the lamp unto your feet. So we see it in the, the three stories. This parallels the tabernacle of Moses, the outer court, the holy place, and the most holy place. The ark that Noah built and the tabernacle are two perspectives of the same picture, 
Jesus Christ. We see the measurements. We see that God gave Noah specific measurements on how to build the ark. How many of you know that that's not random? He didn't just create some random measurements of how big he wanted him to make the boat, but he told him that he wanted to make the boat 30 cubits high, 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide. 30 is the biblical number for the blood of Christ. 300 is the biblical number for the divine completeness. And 50 is the biblical number for Pentecost. He is in your details. No matter what you think you're going through today, I can assure you he's in the details. And when you can't see the path ahead, just look down because he's still the lamp unto your feet. My friends, this is just an incredible picture of the progressive redemption of the life of the believer. We are, we are taken in the ark called Christ. We are blood-bought. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And is that that we are led into, uh, led into completeness and maturity in Christ. What about the door? I mean, there's very specific instructions on the door of the boat that there's only to be one door and it's to be on the side. Well, there's another beautiful picture of, the, of Christ because there is only one way to the Father. There is only one door to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. And we see him as the ark that has just simply one door. John 10 verse 9, he is the true door into the sheepfold. What about the windows? He's given instructions on where to put the windows. Now, this has just been, this is, the one that really struck me. He's given instructions on the way to put the windows that the windows are to be one cubit from the top. And I, I began to inquire of the Lord on this one over the last few months, like, God, like, why, are the, why are the windows? Like, why such specific instructions on the windows? And I, I finally got it. Because God wanted Noah looking up. He wanted him looking up because if the windows are any lower, he would have seen politics. If he had been looking out, he would have seen destruction and he would have seen chaos. He would have seen all the things that are going on wrong around him. But my friend, God in this season, this is the season where God is calling us back to living in the present and lifting our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I tell you, it's very easy for us in this season to be distracted. It's very easy for us to be distracted by what's going on in this world. There seems like there's so much carnage. And, and I am seeing so many people that have been destroyed by what's going on today. And my friend, you're sitting there trying to work it all out. You're trying to work out, like, what does this mean to my future? Don't worry about your future. Just look at your feet. Look at your feet because he stole the lamp unto your path and get your eyes upon Jesus. I tell you, my friend, the answer is not CNN. It is Jesus. I carried on reading and I read about the dove. He landed on the mountains of Ararat, which means the curse is reversed. Jesus became our curse. 
We are delivered from the curse of sin and death. We have been delivered into that of a brand new creation. We stand this morning in the ark. You might feel like you're on a bumpy road. You might feel like you're on a dark road. You might feel like you're on a windy road, but I've got good news for you. You're in the ark. This is symbolic. You, my friend, are in Christ. We are in Christ. I am in Christ. You are in Christ. And it doesn't matter whether the road's a little bumpy or the sailing's a little rough, but there's one thing I've discovered. Do you not think that Noah had a bumpy ride? I bet he had a bumpy ride. I bet that boat got rocked around. I bet he got thrown around. But you know what I've discovered? It does not say, and Noah fell out the back of the boat. But do you think he fell? Probably so. But when we fall, we don't fall in righteousness and out of righteousness and into righteousness and out of righteousness because when we fall, we fall into righteousness. That we are in the ark. We are solid. We are safe. And when you can't see the future, just look down. You are still in Him regardless of what you are going through this morning. I, I began to, I, last night, I, I, I just getting right into this last night. I'm like, oh my gosh, it got so late that my head was spinning. I'm, like, I'm just reading the same verse over and over again. And I'm like, I'm feeling so confused. I better go to bed. We are in Him. We're victorious in Him. We're seated in Him. We're righteous in Him. We're judged in Him. And, and then I, I, I went to John 12, 31. I don't want to read this. It says, it says uh, and Jesus, uh, I'm sorry. John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted from this earth, I'll draw all peoples to myself. Now is the judgment of this world. Now, is the, now the ruler of this earth will be cast out. And if I am lifted up, I'll, I'll draw all peoples to myself. I, I don't know how many of you have read that verse or how many of you have been taught on this verse that he's, he's going to appear. And every eye is going to draw every peoples to himself and we're all going to see him. It's like... It's a misinterpretation of the passage. See, what the passage actually says is, now is the judgment of the world. Or those that love the judgment message are like, see, he's judging the world right now. It's like, no, he's talking about past tense. Now is the judgment of this world. And the ruler of this earth will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from this earth, I'll draw all peoples to myself. Well, peoples was never in the original manuscript. It actually says, I'll draw all to myself. I will draw all to myself. And then, then I hear people say, I've underlined this so hard, I've actually ripped right through my Bible. I've got a hole right through it. I just noticed that. And then I hear people say that he's going to appear in the clouds and he's going to draw all to himself. That's not what it says. See, what it actually says is, now is the judgment of this world. If I am lifted up, I'll draw all to myself. If people's wasn't in the original manuscript, I'll draw all to myself. If I am lifted up on the cross, because the next passage says, by this, he is signifying how he 
was going to die. If I am lifted up, I will draw all to myself. All what? Judgment. My friend, I got something good to tell you this morning, and it is this. Your judgment is not in the future, it's in the past. You've already been judged, and your position is in Christ, the one who already took your judgment upon himself, that we can be free. Hebrews, Hebrews 12, verse 2. Look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I, I just believe as a body, as we just prepare to close this morning, I, I believe that as a body of Christ is that I am talking to so many people and there are so many people that seem so confused. They're confused about their future. They're confused about their finances. They're confused about the direction of the nation. They're confused about so many things. And I want us to take us back to right where we started, which is Psalm 119, verse 105. Your lamp is, I'm sorry, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto our path. And sometimes we get so tired trying to work out the future that it seems like that you're in a fight and you're, and you're just purely exhausted. Maybe you're exhausted because we're not sitting in the finished works of the cross. Maybe, maybe the, the, the scripture tells us in Psalm 23, in the presence of my enemies, he prepares a table before me. Maybe some of us need to put down our sword and pick up our fork and eat. Because maybe it's not a season to fight. Maybe it's a season to rest. I, I think that we're all in different seasons. I think that there's seasons to fight and there's a season to rest. But even in our season to fight, it's got to come out of rest because if you're not fighting out of rest, you're not sitting in the finished works of the cross. And I, I want to encourage you this morning to pick up your fork because some of us, including myself, I've been in this season where I've had to lay my sword down. And like, Lord, this is not a season for me to fight. This is a season for me to feast. This is a season for me to get this into me as much as I possibly can. I got to feast on the word. I cannot fe feast on the media. And some of you may be wondering why you're struggling in life. Maybe you're actually feasting too much on the media. I love the word this morning about social media, you know, about feasting on social media. It's like, I, I think maybe it's time that some of us turn off social media. Man, I, I got social media. Like, pretty much the only thing you're going to catch me on social media now is posting my fish, my fishing stories about big fish that I've been catching. Jesus is the answer. And I want to encourage us this morning as we stand. I just, I was actually looking at the, uh, I, I looking at the top number and earlier it said 11.27 and I thought that meant the time, but it meant I had 11 minutes and 27 seconds left. So we're going to finish early this morning. Look at that. How often do you come to church and finish early? 
I just realized it's only 11.20. I got the times around the wrong way, but that's okay. I want to pray for us this morning. And I, I just, I really believe that, like for me, it's just been this beautiful recalibration season because I'm not trying to work out the future. I, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know how I'm going to earn an income. I don't know how, I don't even know what I'm going to do when I go to New Zealand. I mean, I'm going, you know, if you can get in, I can't even get in as a, as a citizen. I, I've been on, I've been trying for four months to get in as a citizen. And when I'm in, I'm not allowed out. It's like, it's like going to jail. <laughs> I just, I can't work it out. I can't work it out. But you know what? It's not my job to work it out. My job is to learn to enjoy today. And I feel like there's many of us here this morning that we need a recalibration, that you are in turmoil, you are messed up. <laughs> I say that in a, in a loving way. <laughs> you, you, you are messed up because you're trying to work out the future. And this morning, we're in the ark. I want to assure you, you're in the ark. Can we lift our hands? Our hands? Can we lift our head? Let's recalibrate back to Jesus this morning. Do you not think that He has a good future for you? Do you not think that He's your provider? Do you not believe He's the restorer? Do you not believe that He's still the Redeemer? Do you not believe that He's still the Saviour? Do you not believe that He still has His best for you? No matter how hard life seems right now and you can't work it out, it's not your job to work it out. Your job in this season is to be in the present. And Jesus, this morning, we lift our eyes to You. You are the author and You are the, you are the author and You are the finisher of our faith. And Lord, I ask that there'll be a recalibration this morning. There'll be a recalibration back to the person of Jesus. That you would remind each one of us this morning that you are the ark. And that we're in the ark. That we are safe and we are secure. While the road the sailing might be rocky. We can rest in the assurance that we're not going to fall out the back because we're solid in you. Can you just begin to lift up your voice? Just give him your own song. Let's just take a moment like, Switch off social media in your head. Switch off what's on this afternoon. Switch off what's on this week. Switch off the media. It's like two minutes on the media, I'm depressed. 30 seconds in the Word, I'm full of Jesus. And you will begin to discover Him on every page. Lift up your voice. Just ask Him, ask Him for a recalibration this morning.
Thank you, Father. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that you are the author and that you are the perfecter of faith. Father, we thank you, Lord, that none of this of what's going on has taken you by surprise. I actually think he's giving the enemy just enough rope so they can hang themselves. Father, we thank you that you are for us. Father, we thank you that you're not against us. And Lord, we thank you this morning that we're in you, that we're solid and we're stable in the ark, that we're covered in pitch. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. I tell you, there's such a beautiful presence of the Lord here this morning. It was probably the first time I've wept and worshipped for many, many months. I just sat there just weeping as I just was enjoying the presence of Jesus. Father, we worship you. We're going to enjoy you. We're going to enjoy today. We're going to enjoy the moment. We're going to live in the moment. We're going to live now. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that now is the acceptable time of the Lord. That now is the day of salvation. It doesn't say the future. It says now. So God, we're going to enjoy you now as our Savior. We're going to enjoy you now as our Redeemer. We're going to enjoy you now as our healer, as our provider, as our deliverer, as our friend. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a... Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.